Evening, everyone. Good to see you all again. Uh, we turn this evening to First Peter, chapter one. First Peter, chapter one. Now we're still dealing with Exodus. Don't worry, we're not out of that just yet. But First Peter, chapter one. We'll read from verse twenty-two. This is what God says. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other. Love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fail, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become this cornerstone. And a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they have, they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Amen. And we know God will add his own blessing. You want to turn to Exodus chapter 28. We'll read the first two verses. Have Aaron, your brother, brought to you from among the Israelites, along with his sons Nadab and Abihu, Eliezer and Ithamar, so they may serve me as priests. Make sacred garments for your brother Aaron to give him dignity and honor. Imagine you were an Israelite and you know you've sinned. You want to come before God to confess your sin and make a correct sacrifice. You want to enter the tabernacle, kill the animal you brought as a sacrifice, offer its blood on the altar, and then enter into God's presence and enjoy direct communion with him. But you can't. The answer is definitely no. The Israelite never enjoyed that privilege. 
The tabernacle, with all its beautiful articles of furniture, was inaccessible to the Israelites. But because they were unable to serve in the tabernacle, it was of no benefit to them, apart from the priesthood. They needed a mediator, a priest who would represent them before God. And that's why Aaron and his sons are called by God to be priests, and Aaron the high priest. The idea of a priesthood didn't originate in the, with the nation of Israel when they were redeemed from Egypt. In the early days of the nation, going back to the days of the patriarchs, the head of the household acted as the mediator on behalf of his family. Job continually offered sacrifices on behalf of his children in case they cursed God in their hearts. The first thing Noah did after leaving the ark was to build an altar and offer clean beasts as a burnt offering to the Lord. Whenever Abraham traveled through the land of Canaan, which God had promised him as a possession for him and his children, he built an altar and offered a sacrifice to the Lord. And then his own two son and grandson, Isaac and Jacob, did just the same. Each of them performed the ministry of priest before God. Now in Exodus, after God had delivered them from slavery in Egypt to freedom in the promised land, God brought them to himself that they would be his people, his own possession. It was God's plan that Israel as a whole would be a kingdom of priests. The holy nation that would have direct access to him. Being priests meant that they were able to draw near to God and worship him. The same process as before applied though. The head of the household would function as the priest making the sacrifice on behalf of the family. As a kingdom of priests, God has made them responsible to demonstrate his holy standards to the unholy nations around them. But then Israel itself sinned as a nation, sinned against God at Mount Sinai. You remember what happened at the, with the golden calf. God had appeared to them in the cloud and verbally gave them the law they were to keep as his people. And when Moses went up that Mount Sinai to get the written law, they broke the covenant they made with God when they worshipped the golden calf. And doing that, they forfeited the right to be a kingdom of priests and come near to God when they wished. So they needed a mediator. And as a result, God had to establish a priesthood from among the people to represent Israel before him. When God was on Mount Sinai, sorry, when Moses was on Mount Sinai, God told him, let Aaron, your brother, be brought to you from among the Israelites with his sons Nadab and Abihu, Eliezer and Ithamar, so they may serve me as priests. Then, in Numbers chapter 17, God chose the tribe of Levi to function as priests. Other tribes complained. But God told Moses to take the staff of the elders and put them beside the Ark of the Covenant. Whoever's staff but it would be the tribe of, of priests. It was Aaron's staff that not only sprouted but had budded 
blossomed and produced almonds. That confirmed Levi as the priesthood, the whole tribe of Levi. The reason Aaron was the high priest was because his father was Amram. His father was Kohath and his father was Levi, the son of Jacob. Note too that as Moses was Aaron's younger brother, he too would have been a priest. Don't know if you've ever thought of that before, but Moses was entitled to be a priest. The Hebrew word for priest is Kohen, which means one who officiates. But they were not chosen by the people, and neither were they self-appointed. Instead, when Aaron's sons Nadab and Abihu tried to usurp their position, God struck them down dead, they and their families. They were divinely called by God and received their authority from him. God graciously provided the office of priest so that the people who were cut off from God because of their sins could have a man mediating on their behalf. And even the priests, who were also sinners, had to bring gifts and sacrifice if they were to approach God on Israel's behalf. The priests could have no physical defects. In fact, they were rejected from service if they were found to have body blemishes, blindness, lameness, a flat nose, limbs that were deformed, a broken foot or hand, a hunchback, dwarfism, defective eyes, eczema, scabs, or being a eunuch. All of those things debarred a man from being a priest. If you want to know any more, you'll find it in Leviticus chapter 21. That's a fairly comprehensive list because the priests had to be special. Men of gentleness, compassion, and who would deal kindly with Israelites who knew little or nothing of the law and the ways of God. But there were exceptions. Do you remember Eli's sons, Hopney and Phineas? They died as a result of their ungodliness and corruption in the tabernacle. Caiaphas and Ananias were cruel and did not exemplify the qualifications God demanded for their office. Not only did they scheme and connive to have Jesus crucified, they didn't learn. And when Paul was brought before them, Ananias told someone to strike him on the mouth, which was contrary to the law. They were not allowed to have any land for themselves and they were exempt from military service. Instead, they were dedicated or set apart unto God. Now you remember when God entered into a covenant with the Israelites at Mount Sinai. He said, if you serve me, I will meet all your needs. Now the priests were set apart for God's service. And to provide them for their daily physical needs, God established a tithe system. The people had to bring the first fruits that were reaped and give it to the priests. They had to bring grain, fruit, wine, oil, flour, and sheepskin. Forty-eight cities in Canaan were set apart for the priests. They didn't own them. They were not allowed to have any possessions but they lived there rent-free. The firstborn from every family had to be redeemed. 
Now, the reason for that was, if you remember, on the night of the Passover, when the firstborn of Egypt died, the children of Israel were saved by the blood of the lamb on the doorposts. The price of that was five shekels for the life of the firstborn. And the redemption price was paid to the priests. God met their needs. The portion of the showbread and the sacrifices were given to the priests for food. When the Israelites went to war, a certain per- percentage of the spoil was allocated to the priest who did not have to go to war. What a privilege to be born into the family of Levi and be divinely chosen as a priest unto the Lord. Anyone else who approached the tabernacle suffered God's judgment. You remember Korah and 250 of his followers challenged Moses' leadership. And then gods of judgment, each of them were swallowed up when the earth parted. When King Saul grew impatient waiting for Samuel to make the sacrifice, he made it himself and suffered the loss of the kingdom and the throne. King Uzziah tried to offer incense in the temple and was smitten with leprosy for the rest of his life. It's a terrible thing to go against God's appointed priests. Under the Mosaic law, God called Israel to become a kingdom of priests. But the priesthood was conditional. Israel had to obey the law of God to keep its position. If you will obey my voice, said God, When Israel failed to obey, God chose Aaron and his sons to form the priesthood and represent the nation before him. When God called the church into being, it was unconditional. Formed into a a kingdom of priests. What Israel failed to do as a kingdom of priests under the law, God has freely given to all believers in the church through grace. All they lost in the past, God has given it to us by grace. There's a number of parallels between the Aaronic priesthood and the priesthood of believers. First of all, Aaron was called to the priesthood. Exodus 28 verse 1, Let Aaron your brother be brought to you from among the Israelites so that they may serve me as priests. And likewise in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9, which we read earlier, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this, into his wonderful light. Now that's a call. That's what privileges we enjoy. We're chosen. We are royalty. We're the possession of God and we're called to proclaim the gospel because we were called out of darkness into the light of his dear son, the Lord Jesus Christ. What privileges we enjoy. Under the law, secondly, a man had to be born into the priesthood. If he didn't belong to the tribe of Levi, he was excluded. Christians become priests on the basis of being born again. By putting your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we come into the family of God as adult children. And we are assured 
of, of all the rights and privileges of sons and daughters that Christ has procured for us at Calvary. John 1, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Romans chapter 8, verse 15 and 16, The spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so that you will live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with your spirit that we are God's children. 1 John 3, See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Dear friends, now that we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. What privileges we enjoy as children of God, as priests in the kingdom of God. Privileges to be enjoyed only because God has called us to be a people of priests. Thirdly, Aaron's son were secure in their priesthood. Not because of their own merit, but on the basis of their father's appointment as high priest. And as believer priests, we are secure in Christ. John 10, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I will give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Romans 8, verse 35 to 25, sorry, Romans 8, verse 35 to 39. Marvelous security in Christ. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wonderful verses of encouragement for the church. Yes, Joyce has talked about challenge, but tonight this should be about encouragement and lifting the Lord Jesus up. Nothing but nothing will remove us from our privileged position in Christ. Do you remember what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2, 9, which we read a few minutes ago? You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. This priesthood of believers is a chosen people, which literally means an elect race. We are a body of believers from all sorts of races and nationalities, creeds and cultures. And yet that's all overshadowed by our new spiritual identity. When we were born again, we took on the qualities of Christ and we changed to become one people. The church of Christ, the body, the bride. People who are called out to bring praise and worship to the glory of his name. We are a royal priesthood. Literally, a kingly priesthood. 
Our position in Christ is far above the ironic priesthood. They never had a kingly role. But Christians are king priests, not after the order of Aaron, but after the order of Melchizedek, the king and priest of Salem. He comes into scripture uh, in Genesis to meet with Abraham and goes out again just as quickly. No beginning, no end, indicating that Jesus has an eternal priesthood and we have it with him. But now that the whole body has been formed into one priesthood, there's no need for an earthly priesthood to represent believers before God. By means of his death, Jesus has torn away the barrier between God and man. We now have direct access to the throne of God. Hebrews chapter 10. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to come to enter the holy place, the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. There's no need for a human mediator. The Lord Jesus Christ is our great high priest who brings our petitions before the Father in heaven. What an exalted position we possess. As priests, we have access through the veil into the throne room of God through Jesus Christ as Son. Thirdly, the priesthood, is, the priesthood of believers is a holy nation. We are a distinct multitude from every continent and nation in the world. And we are called to be holy, set apart, pilgrims on our way through this scene of time. Sojourners or sojourners in the countries where we live on earth, but our citizenship's in heaven. We are only ambassadors here, serving our master, the Lord Jesus Christ. And as such, we should be different from everybody else. And our attitudes and actions should be set apart. And fourthly, we are God's special possession. 1 Peter 2 9. The AV says it, and I like the way the AV says it. We're a peculiar people. Now that word peculiar means unique. God's unique possession. That's what you are. God's unique possession. Scripture tells us we are not on our own, but we have been bought with a price, and that price was the precious blood of Christ. And because of all that, we have not been brought into this special relationship with God as believer priests just to enjoy God's blessing. We do enjoy God's blessing, but that's not why. As priests, we have a ministry to perform. Peter said again, 1 John 2, 9, that you may declare the priest, the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. And that literally means proclaim abroad the excellencies of the Lord, which are Christ's glorious attributes and his gracious acts toward mankind. And God has decided to use weak vessels like you and me to proclaim the gospel of God to the unsaved. What a privilege. What a responsibility, but what a privilege. When Isaiah was filled with the Spirit, he was taken up to heaven in a vision. 
where he saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. God called out, who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here am I, send me. As a kingdom of priests, we are called to lift our eyes and see the throne of God and allow him to fill us with his spiritual vision for us. And we are to respond just like Isaiah, here am I, send me. We are a royal priesthood. Each of us are priests equal in rank and stature. It's the high priest who stands out above the rest. In chapter 28, verse 2, God said to Moses, Make sacred garments for your brother to give him dignity and honor. And now we see Aaron, the high priest clothed in the stately garments of his office. For the next 29 verses, we are told about the sacred garments that they will give him dignity and honor. They were sacred because they were set apart to be worn only during his service in the tabernacle. They were special because they exalted the priestly office in the eyes of the people. They were beautiful because their colors harmonized with the colors of the curtains of the temple and with the articles of furniture. The high priest had to be different, to look different, had to look the part as he worshipped the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The high priest's clothes were so important. Moses, God told Moses to make sacred garments for your brother Aaron to give him dignity and honor. And the people who were to make it were skilled workers to whom I have given wisdom in such matters that they are to make garments for Aaron for his consecration so that he may serve me as priest. That meant meant that God had given them special knowledge, skilled through the Holy Spirit, so that they could make the garment just as God had decreed. These garments had to be just so. Remember, they were in the tabernacle, in the glory, and had to be made exactly the same. There are 43 verses used to describe in minute detail how each item of clothing was to be made. And each piece of clothing is full of divine truth and spiritual teaching that's typical of the Lord Jesus Christ and his ministry as our great high priest. The first garment was the ephod, which is just a, a, another word for garment. But here it has a higher significance, meaning a special garment of religious difference. It consisted of two pieces of material into which a thin thread of gold wire was embroidered. It also had blue, purple and scarlet and fine twisted linen thread. You can see why this is so special. It's made from the same materials as the two curtains in the tabernacle. One piece of the ephod covered the high priest's chest and the other covered his back, making it look like a tabard. That's, I don't know if men, you men understand what a tabard is. Women use it when they want to cover their, their front and back when they're doing woman's work. Actually, talking about woman's work, I, I got a, I went and I fancied a fish supper on Friday night and went down to the one at Kilgorm 
And you want to see these women working. Two women stand behind the counter. They put in a, put in a scoop of fish. They put in a cup of chip. They folded it, threw it in salt and pepper. They put it, folded it all up, put it in a brown paper bag. Two, 27, gone. They started again, brought out salt. Just kept working after time after time. And I said to them afterwards, you know why women do this work? Because men couldn't do it. It's as simple as that. But these tabards are used usually by women who, who are doing their work. The two pieces were held together at the shoulder with gold straps that were clasped together. Later in Israel's history, the ephod became the symbol of the priestly office. In 1 Samuel 23, it says, Now Abiathar, son of Ahimelech, had brought the ephod down with him when he fled to David. Just saying the ephod was with him says the high priest was in place to minister to David's men. The gold thread running through the ephod was symbolic of the deity of the Lord Jesus. Like the golden furniture, it explicitly states that Jesus is divine. John 1.1 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 20, and Thomas said, My Lord and my God. The gold describes divine attributes to Jesus, just as his eternal existence. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Revelation chapter 1, verse 8. It shows his omnipresence. Matthew 28, he says, And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. Shows his omniscience. John 20, chapter 2, But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in all persons. If you're not saved this evening and you think you'll get away with it, not saved this evening and you think, yeah, I, 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 I can do what I like, nobody knows about it. Trust me, God knows everything. Lord Jesus sees everything. He knows everything. He knows what's in your heart. Don't have to do anything. Just your thoughts are enough to bar you from heaven and he knows about them. We see in this he fought his omnipotence. Philippians chapter 3. Who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly body so that we will be like his glorious body. That's our Savior and our God. And even the threads of the high priest's garment tell who he is. The colors in the ephod are typical of Christ's ministry. The fine twisted linen was, was the white Egyptian yarn woven tightly together. White speaking of his purity and his righteousness. Its fineness talks about, about Christ's faultlessness. It's a picture of Christ who in his flesh was without blemish and without spot. And as we've found out before, the fine white linen represents the saints of God and their righteousness and purity before him at the marriage of the Lamb. 
The three colors woven into the ephod, ephod are symbolic of Jesus' incarnation, his ministry, and his coming again. The blue speaks of Christ who came down to earth from heaven as the Son of God to do the Father's will. The scarlet provides a vivid picture of Christ's ministry when he shed his blood to purchase our salvation. And the purple, the color of royalty, speaks of Christ's kingship. Jesus was from the line of Judah, the kingly line given to Judah by Jacob before he died. Jesus was born a king, not like King Charles, who had to wait quite a long time being a prince until his mother died and then he could accede the throne. And yet, when the wise men came to Jerusalem, they asked, where is he who is born king of the Jews? At his trials before Caiaphas and Ananias, he was mocked as a king. And even on the cross, he was declared to be the king of the Jews by Pontius Pilate. But we rejoice because he's coming back as king of kings and lord of lords. He'll rule over them with an iron scepter, Revelation 19. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has this name written, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. And to crown it all, he will rule as king forever. Luke chapter 1 verse 33. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. That's wonderful. He's a king. But all too often, too many people are content to have him as their savior when he's so much more. He's the Lord Jesus Christ. And the sooner people recognize that, the sooner more people will come under subjection to his will for their lives. We need to be crowning him king in our lives even now. The ephod was held close to the priest's body by a waistband or a girdle in the AV. It was made of the same materials and was wrapped round the high priest's waist and hung down to his ankles. The waistband or girdle was always used to strengthen those who wore it. Usually the priest as he walked in the tabernacle or a soldier when he went off to war. And again, the waistband is a type of Christ who came to minister as a servant. At the end of his last Passover meal here on earth, we are told he took a towel and wrapped it around his waist. Then he knelt and washed the disciples' feet, giving them a very pointed lesson on exactly what service meant. Christians, as believers, priests, as believer priests, are instructed in Ephesians 6, 4, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Or as the AV said, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. And when the truth controls our lives, we're able to meet the attacks and the fiery darts of the devil. And the truth enables us to live victorious lives in Christ. Waistband is also mentioned in Luke chapter 12. 
Be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning. The AV makes it clear, let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. Burning in service before the Lord and eagerly watching and waiting for the Lord's return. Also on the ephod, on his shoulders, the high priest wore two onyx stones. But we'll look at them next time. I better let you go home.